This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hi, I'm Hanif Baharuddin and this is Gigi Well Played, BFM's video game show. This week, I'll be speaking to Roy Kat. He's the CEO and co-founder of Emerge Group. Emerge is based in Singapore and started out as a talent agency for esports groups and content creators in the midst of the pandemic. They have since diversified to do more things within the industry. I'll let Roy explain more. Alright, so hi everyone, my name is Roy. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Image Group. We are the commercialization partners for multiple brands, our esports teams, IP right holders, as well as content creators. Mm, okay, so it, it, it seems to be doing a lot of things. So Image Group is just perhaps the the, the biggest umbrella and, and, and under that umbrella, there's a lot of other different sub-companies, I suppose? Yeah, actually for us right now, uh, Image Group, you're right. Right, Hanif, uh, it's totally right. We are, we are a good company. We have three key business units, actually. We are not doing a lot of things, but uh, it does sound like we do have. Uh, we have three key business units. Let's start with the easiest one to explain, uh, which is Image Esports. Image Esports, basically, we are the consultancy arm of Image Group. We provide esports marketing consultancy services to many brands uh, who are basically interested to penetrate in the esports space, obviously. But right now, we have been working with quite a couple of games, both in the Web 2 and Web 3 space. Uh, three machine sports. And our second business unit is Empower. And Empower basically it's a merchandise distribution arm for multiple esports teams and uh, content creators. We hold those merchandising rights to them where we help them to come up with the merchandising issues, uh, the logistic issues that they are facing uh, for them as well. And we in charge of distribution and the last mile deliveries for all the merchandise. So right now there's quite a couple of things that is up and coming. Uh, we are actually going for quite a couple of teams across different game titles as well such as Mobile Legends, Dota 2, as well as Valorant. So these are our three key areas that we're targeting. And last but not least, uh, our last business unit is MP5. So MP5, we are like a marketing SaaS platform slash marketplace where you are able to connect uh, your social media through our platform to check uh, data analytics, uh, social, uh, scheduled social media posts, as well as lastly, um, there's advertising inventory marketplace where you're able to engage the you know, content creators, you know, uh, the esports teams and everything. And everything is very automated data-driven, uh, it makes brands have much more informed decision. And um, basically our payment are also via Ashku and everything is going to be pretty safe, very similar to like how Fiverr and it's kind of like a Fiverr and Hootsuite on steroids, right? If they have a baby of between Fiverr and Hootsuite, that's kind of how it looks like. I see. All right. Uh, but you first started out with just the Emerge Esports um, yes, right. brand, right? Yeah. What made you want to, I guess, branch into the different, I guess, subdivisions of this business? With Emerge, when you first started out, I would say, yes, we do start off as a talent agency, but we do always wanted to build a platform of our own because right now we understand that right at the start, we already understand and identify the key problems that the entire market is facing, not just the esports and game landscape, but I think the content creation market as well. There's a severe lack of uh, infrastructure as well as a platform to really consolidate in terms of uh, the analytics functions to make sure the ease of use of payments and you know verification of work done. It's currently quite lacking. So right now, this is something that we have always been trying to build uh, since the start. And we have been bootstrapping since about prior to our fundraise recently. Um, and we have been achieving revenue, achieving quite a bit of traction. So because at the end of the day, we always believe, the reason why we first started off the talent agency, because we always believe that you can build a ticket product. But if no one is using it, no one is willing to pay, it defeats the purpose, right? So that's one of the key reasons why we start off as a talent agency at the start, as a consulting arm first. Um, before we started to build our product so that we can show some sort of traction and some sort of proof of use cases, right? Mm, yeah. 
it sounds like you already have a, have a plan laid out and it's just a matter of, I guess, finding an entry point into the world before um, expanding, right? Yes, definitely. I think it's more about execution. Right? The plans can be great, but uh, throughout the journey of uh, execution and uh, understanding, there's a lot of trial and error. There's a lot of potential issues that we may not have foreseen uh, that we do overcome at the end of the day. Right? We did overcome that. Uh, and also we have received a lot of feedbacks on how we can make a platform better while we are still manually, manually dealing with all those deals. Um, so yeah, I, I guess that you know, at the end of the day, it all works out. Yeah, but the interesting thing is that you also started during the pandemic, uh, which is something yes. pretty interesting. Uh, you know, in hindsight, is that a good timing or a bad timing? Yeah, I think as the saying goes, right, there's always a famous saying, right, that um, every crisis there's an opportunity. And that because of the pandemic, we can see that huge, immense growth or say boom, right? in the entire esports and content creation space as a whole because right now everybody's going digital. Right at the point of time, you know, the entertainment is different. Most, most of the sports entertainment that people do tend to uh, is not really live during COVID. And this is something that we have been um, seeing a huge growth curve. And at the point of time, um, yes, definitely pandemic. Everybody is trying to stay safe, but I will feel that like the saying goes again, every crisis there's an opportunity. Well, you know, strike while the others are fearful, right? Mm. And I think it proves it proves that you know we're right so far. I mean, despite the pandemic, we have achieved huge, immense amount of growth. Um, throughout, um, we have we have been profit generating things uh, previously as well. And of course, most of our profits are going back to developing the platform. Mm. I mean, there, there was obviously a high demand for for content of this nature. I think you know, um, whether whether in the form of I guess digital uh, content. Uh, or even gaming content during the pandemic. But now that the world has opened up again, um, how, how's 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 business? Mostly things are going great. Things are going great. Um, I'll say that at least for esports and gaming, um, the viewership has still been pretty consistent and growing. Um, but however, of course, in terms of the, we do see that in recent times that uh, there are a lot of brands that are still and uh, they are putting out esports, right? But I wouldn't say that that's actually a bad thing because I feel that right now, like I say, right, there's still a lack of proper infrastructure support or platform support that governs the entire area and uh, provide that sort of uh, proper analytics that's common in the current marketing space, I would say in the traditional marketing space as compared to esports. So I would say that right now with whatever that we are building, we do see a strong support coming from both the demand and supply side, which is both the brands and the advertising inventories. Right now, just in, in our pilot phase, we have recently just launched our platform. In our pilot phase, we have already seen just in one month, 115,000, uh, I would say, uh, US dollars that is being pledged to, to launch campaigns from brands. So definitely, I would say there's a huge uh, increase in fact that shocks us shock us as well we didn't expect that there'll be so much demand um so yeah i think that's kind of like a proof that we we are somewhere in the right track all right i want to focus a bit on image esports and how i think to a certain extent i mean as much as you know we, we talk about how gaming is still um it's becoming a lot more mainstream it's becoming a part of lifestyle but i think uh when you first started out you did a very i think like a very um quite an interesting um, campaign to sort of like I guess drive home the message that you know at the end of the day it's all about pursuing that dream right despite the the kind of uh, perception that people still have with the kind of things that um, you serve your clients with right um, you know do you think that this is something that's still pervasive in the in the community you know that you know despite how well you know esports you know people who are involved in esports are doing there is still that perception that you know maybe gaming is not really you know a real career of sorts for sure, I will say that at the end of the day, we are, we are all Asians, right? And mm -hmm. At the end of the day, we always have that Asian mindset. Get a proper job, right? I will say that um, passion at the start, most of the time, I will say in the olden days, it's more of a secondary sort of things, right? Always the primary focus will be to get yourself a decent job, get a very decent paying job. 
Uh, but at the end of the day, as we grow along, we do see that right now, especially as esports is getting much more in the main stage and on limelight, especially with the recent times, C games uh, is also being very popularized as well. A huge fan base, I would say. Um, I would say that parents are actually getting much more accepting of the, their kids going in this route. But however, I would say that we, as compared to you know traditional jobs and careers and traditional you know, sports career, I would say that you're still very, very far away. Um, then again, back to what I was saying, proper infrastructure that from support is very important. And of course, I would say educational support from the governments, from the, I would say, we need the stat boards are very important as well. Because it's all about perceptions, right? Perceptions can't change overnight. Neither can it change in just one or two years. It has been an ongoing effort that has to be given. But of course, things have been going well pretty much. The governments uh, across Southeast Asia, I would say, has been very, very supportive in pushing out esports. Um, especially with all the big championships that are supported by the tourism board, by the youth industries, uh, standboards in the relevant government trust of Asia, that has been a very huge boost. And uh, I'll say that, yeah, it's actually a very, um, I'll say, improving climate right now as compared to what we are seeing five years back. Mm. Um, I don't want to be super pedantic about it, but on top of managing uh, esports talents, you also actually manage um, content creators as well, right? Um, yes. Is there a big difference between managing the two, considering you know the nature of, of what they do? Yes, for sure, right? I mean, we, are, we are totally right. I will say, right now, um, in some sense, I will say, as a content creator uh, and as well as a professional esports athlete, it's actually pretty different. Uh, as an esports athlete, most of them are very zoom in and focus on their craft in terms of the performance side of things. Whereas content creators is more of different type of performance. One is the esports performance in terms of maximizing the wins, right? One of them is just maximizing the type of content that, that is actually in, in trend, right? It's more of trend-jacking sort of things that I think is uh, quite relevant. So I would say that it's very different in terms of managing them. I think expectations have been drawn pretty clearly as well, knowing what is involved. However, with that being said, we have seen that most of the prominent, I would say, superstars in esports they are great in terms of content creation as well, right? Um, they have to engage with their fans. They have to constantly roll out contents because at the end of the day, they have to understand that um, aside from just getting a basic salary, so you look at all the sports super, the superstars, right? You have David Beckham, Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi. The reason they are getting the big money is just not just from the pay, right? The bigger money is coming from sponsorships, advertisers, brand ambassadorships, and stuff like this, which comes only if you have followings. So if you look at like then draw relevance in sports again, Ronaldo, Messi and stuff, they, they may be awesome in their craft, but at the end of the day, they are also great in the content creation. They have been, you know, constantly updating the social medias, engaging with the fans. And this is something that I'll say is very important and in order for the esports players to reach a superstar status and of course get a very good and sustainable income, they have to be juggling between both content creation and uh, esports performances. Uh, so so there is a bit of that overlap as well. So so being an athlete, quote unquote, being an esports athlete does not mean necessarily mean you can just focus on you know, doing what you do, but you also have to do a bit of content creation as well, right? These days? Yes, yeah, for sure. I mean, let, let's look at it into it in terms of even the music artists themselves, right? They're, they're not just making music, good music. They're also very focused in content creation. You look at them doing podcasts, coming up with their own videos. You know, I think this is still at the end of the day, attention economy. So content creation is definitely something that's very important. Mm. Is this something that uh, emerge actively guide you know, your talents? Uh, right now, as we are focusing on our three key business units, uh, we are not really moving towards the talent agency model. In fact, we are we are providing advice, yes, to steer some of our existing talent pool, but the majority we work directly with the talent agencies. We provide them the sort of statistics and data 
um, as well as feedbacks that we got from brands on how they can improve and from there they are able to derive the better tactics to, to scale up their or grow their talent pooling tank. I've been speaking to Roy Cat. He's the CEO and co-founder of Emerge Group, a multifaceted esports-related company from Singapore. We're going to make way for some messages. More after this. Stay tuned. This is Gigi Well Played on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to Gigi Well Played. I'm your host, Hanif Baharudin. Joining me on the show today via Google Meet is Roy Cat. He's the CEO and co-founder of Image Group. And we've been talking about what they do and their contributions in the region's gaming industry so far. As mentioned by Roy earlier, they started out as a talent agency for esports athletes and content creators, but have since branched out to other things as well. One of them is called Empower, an arm that focuses on merchandise. I think one of the key things that uh, for us, the reason why we started Empower is because when we have identified the key issues with esports is that most of the teams have their own merchandise, right? but there isn't like a one-stop fandom hub, right? If you look at sports, there's there's huge, right? In terms of retail-wise, we have looked at like Royal Sporting House, we have the online-wise, we have Fanatics in, in EUNA, but right now in Southeast Asia, there isn't really that sort of a fandom hub for esports, right? I would say that this is severely lacking and uh, this is something that they have to really go and bear the logistic costs uh, in the individual. Let's say, let's say if I were to love a UNA team, I would, well, for me to purchase a jersey there, including shipping and everything for them to ship it here, uh, it costs for me, I can buy another jersey, right? Just on the logistic cost itself. So this is something that uh, we identified as a big problem. And in order for esports to really grow and to have that sort of loyal fan base, they have to make all these merchandise much more accessible as how the traditional sports scene or the, you know, the music industry is currently functioning. And this is something that uh, we have looked into it and we have actually beta tested it uh, previously during the TI by Dota 2, the international tournament. And uh, we have received huge, immense traction as well. And um, of course, immense growth in terms of revenue. And this is something that I will say, it further cements our ideas on saying that, you know, this is the right way, this is the right direction based on, of course, the product market fit. Um, you started in, in during the pandemic, and it's only been three years. But you've you have garnered you know a total audience of close to six hundred million, right? Um, so that that's pretty pretty big. Uh, so um, what's what's the secret to you know the kind of rapid growth that that you you're experiencing right now? I would say that it's a lot a lot on partnership and collective effort because we always believe um that we should work together with our partners uh, in order for us to achieve this. Because without our partners, we won't be where we are here today. Without the trust like esports team owners, the, the content creators and the agencies themselves, we won't be where we are today, right? At the end of the day, it's very important in terms of partnerships and of course, consistency in getting them their sort of results they are looking at and be very truthful and transparent, right? This is something that we have always shared with our partners that we don't promise them the sun and the moon. We told them, hey, you know, this is a growing growing industry is there at its infancy stage. Yes, although we may be getting some like limelight, but all of us here are still, still in uncharted territories, right? So we manage the expectation that this is something that we try our best to do. Um, and they don't fault us if we don't get it there. But if we do get it there, it's a bonus for everyone. And this is how we do manage that sort of relationship. And it's also one of the reasons why we managed to sign all these superstar teams as well as superstar content creators onto our belt that do contribute to that 600, close to 600 million viewers. Mm. And you recently uh, also announced uh, 2.2 million uh, US dollars uh, seed funding round that's uh, jointly led by uh, Fakuha Venture Capital and Arkin Group. Um, so tell us a bit more about that. I will say that um, uh, this this funding journey has been just giving me quite a bit of sentimental values, right, Honey? Uh, because um, right now, at, we started, I would say, at one of the worst possible times. 
<laughs> but it was at the the lunar crash in Web3. It was the quantitative tightening in the traditional finance scene. And then um, throughout, we have your FTX incidents uh, and all the other banking issues, right? With the recent SVB credit suits and stuff. It, mm. it has been always a very, very tough time for us. Right? We started at the worst possible time. Most of the time. Right? Even when we started our company, it was like a peak of COVID. So I would say um, it was a very, very challenging and to be very honest, at the start, we didn't expect that we would be able to close to be honest. And for us, we I've actually shared with my team right there, hey guys, just have a 10% hope that we will close. Of course, we'll put in 100% effort, but you know, I just want to manage some expectations. But surprisingly, we, we are quite oversubscribed you know, in terms of interest. Uh, we have huge, immense interest from investors. Um, but I do feel that at the end of the day, uh, this is also contributed uh, based on, of course, the hardware and dedication from the internal team as well as our external stakeholders that makes this happen. And of course, based on our traction that we managed to get um, as compared to our peers or competitors in the scene, um, is something that I would say is a huge boost and testament to our growth, I would say, uh, that we are going in the right direction. Mm. What are you planning to uh, achieve with, with this uh, partnership? I think with this entire, I would say, funds that we managed to raise, it's really um, build up and strengthen our platform. Uh, that's one. And it gets expertise-wise. Second is to really capture that sort of uh, much more brands, audience in terms of market shares on our platform. I would say majority will be throughout, throughout our marketing sales platform will be our key focus. Uh, and then of course, to build our distribution network for, for our merchandising side of things as well and uh, working with much more IPs. Uh, and I think so far, we're on the right track. We, are, we have just closed and so far, we have, we have get quite a bit of our final partners secured for both our business units. And I would say that, yeah, things are going on the right track so far. Mm. Do you think that uh, being a business that's based in Southeast Asia, it is a bit of an advantage for you considering how the market works here? You know, how um, perhaps there is a bigger uh, growth opportunity here? I will say that it's a double-edged sword, man. Mm. Of course, there's huge growth in the population in terms of the mobile game players. It's huge. But in terms of fan base, they are loyal to the team. They are very, very passionate. It's very great for us. But I would say, However, in terms of double shorts, I think it's in terms of resources-wise, it's going to be pretty difficult. The reason why is because, you know, in the whole of ASEAN country, you look at it, almost, almost, I would say, almost every country has their own preferred languages. I think in terms of language barriers, there's much more things for us to think of in terms of our customizing our languages, um, preference for our platform. There's one cost that we have to think and input. Uh, and second, of course, um, languages in terms of communicating with talents is something that we have to also be very tactful about. And of course, in terms of custom, every country has different custom that we have to be aware of. And uh, yeah, I'll say this is something that more of a double-edged sword for us, but we are still very, very fortunate to be able to be in Southeast Asia to tap on this huge esports audience. Mm, that's a very interesting uh, challenge that you brought up. Uh, what are some of the challenges that you have to think about you know, when it comes to reoperating in Southeast Asia? Um, like I mentioned earlier, definitely language barriers is one. Uh, custom that we have to really understand. As well, there is something that uh, we have to be very tactful about. And uh, of course, there's a lot of uncharted waters in terms of uh, legalities and advice. And we wanted, to, of course, as a company, we want to be very compliant with the local legal, uh, legal efforts as well. And um, the laws that is there set uh, by the government. Uh, so, so far, when we are going to those countries, we have been working with advisors and, of course, the market research companies to really advise us on how can we really manage it and uh, what are some of the do's and don'ts that is different from Singapore? Mm, yeah, I think that's, that's still a murky thing that a lot of countries are still struggling with, right? I think because of the nature of the, the, the industry that's still pretty much new, the legal aspects of things 
can still be pretty murky, right? If you think about yeah. it. For sure, for sure. Yeah, totally right. Mm. Um, so, uh, based on your observation and based on the rapid growth that you're experiencing right now, um, do you foresee this to just go on or will it saturate at one point? I'll say that right now we do see there's a, in every industry, uh, there will always be a market correction sort of factor. Um, if you look at the crypto industry, there's always a boom, there's always a downcourt because there's market correction, there's a reading of the negative players, bad players, black ships of the economy. I think that's very similar for esports. And IMR, we do see a huge boost for esports due to COVID, and then a further boost due to the, um, I would say, the pay to earn economy in web three space coming with esports. That's huge boost. But right now, that we, we are seeing a market correction, of course, because of the current financial downturn, and and it's not just affecting esports. I would say I'll just like insert a caveat that it's affecting every industry out there due to a financial downturn. Um, however. I would say that at the end of the day, attention economy has always been here to stay uh, ever since the start of social media platforms. There's only an up, upward, I would say, an upward curve of growing in terms of attention. So I think that right now, definitely in the long term, we will definitely be able to stay and grow. However, we won't be able to see such an explosive uh, set of things as compared to the past. However, we will see that, you know, it's tough to say, right, because innovations and technology is ever growing. And we may see that there's there may be new things that new factors that really bring well, uh, into this economy or this entire industry as a whole that will boost us as well. All right. I just want to get your perspective from your, I guess, point of view. Uh, you know, as, as someone who's in the industry but observing it from a different perspective, um, what do you think the industry should do better or should be more mindful of? You know, in terms of managing, you know, the potential crash or you know, or trying to, I guess, grow the industry further. I think that's a very very interesting. That you bring up, uh, and this is something that actually I did share uh, a couple of weeks back when I was in in Venom conference. Um, this I realized that currently, you know, to put things into context purposes, right? I'd like to share a story that I shared in the event that right now everybody is focusing on to being a gold miner in a gold rush, right? But there are too many miners involved, and there is not as many gold. Right now in the industry, right, let's put into context, like there's too many esports teams and uh, too many agencies involved. It's getting very saturated. Instead, I'll say that it's important to really put out the things that equip the miners instead. Like that's exactly what, like, example, you may be setting a food store along the way uh, to the gold mine, or you can be sell- selling like books on how to gold mine, providing the equipments, you know, stuff like this, instead of just being a gold miner because it's just too saturated. Um, in the industry right now, there's too many people that's coming out. There's like literally an esports team that pop up every three months, right? a new esports team. And instead of focusing on just creating esports team, thinking of how we can bring values, technology aspect wise, you know, service provider wise, to the esports teams, to the content creators, to the brands, instead of just creating new esports team every now. I think this is something that um, will just kind of dilute the entire industry if we are if we are not careful about it. Hmm. So, do you have any suggestions on how that can be managed, perhaps? You know, apart from, I guess, um, you know, equipping the miners? Yes, I think identifying the key problems. Right? Like, what are the problems that, that, that the industry is facing? Right? Creating a new esports team will solve that problem. Right? What are the key things? Better management of, like, I'm speaking on behalf of ourselves, right? better mm. management of their social media analytics, like campaign reporting procedures to the brands, and of course, payment procedures, and being much more accountable to the deliverables. I think it's something that if you can provide such sort of service or platforms or technologies that kind of want to enable them to make things much more efficient will be much easier. And on our perspective, how are we doing this is that we reduce the cost 
and we provide much more avenue of revenues for them, right? So this is something that is gonna that is very important because we have seen that most of the big esports teams they are VC back, and for VC back, at the end of the day, it's about revenue generation, profit generation, and to reduce the cost and provide much more revenue to them. This kind of solve their problem, and that's one of the main reasons why we are getting so much immense takeout from teams as compared to the rest of the others. Mm. What about um, the games uh, themselves? You know, have you ever thought about uh, you know perhaps whether the developers should also be on their toes? You know, be mindful of the fact that I guess you know these days there are a lot of new games coming out. You know, and whether that also needs to be observed closely. Yes, definitely. I would say the game publishers, the game developers have have, have to really understand that at the end of the day, what makes them popular is the community. Right, the different stakeholders involved in the communities, from the fans to the esports teams to the service providers and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, they they have to stay through their roots, right? Because I do see that as uh, most of the time they are throwing tons of benefit. Uh, but once they are getting on track, they have been reducing their sort of the margins for the teams, for the franchise fees and stuff like this, which is something that is uh, I'll say hurting the teams financially as well. So and it's gonna not make it very sustainable in the long. And at the end of the day, someone's gonna overtake. Uh, I think this happens to most social media platforms as well. Like, we have taken a look on Facebook. I mean, Facebook have cut out their content creation sort of uh, fees or, or contracts with the content creators for Facebook gaming. And um, when TikTok came out, most of the most of the creators go to TikTok. So in order for you to sustain and have much more longevity, be it developers-wise, social media platform-wise, they have to stick through the game. Of course, I do understand from their perspective that they have to cut costs and, and it's part of the user acquisition models that have been around for ages going through all different type of industries. But then again, we just have to manage between the cost as well as our potential retention of users, right? I think this is something that's very important to in my personal opinion. All right, fantastic. Okay, so um, we're going to end the conversation soon. Um, what, what are your hopes for the future uh, in terms of the growth of Emerge Group and also the industry to a certain extent? I would definitely hope that, you know, at the end of the day, we are able to, you know, assist much more um, stakeholders in terms of their troubles because, a company can only grow as well if we solve the problems of many. That's where we achieve the product market fit. And this is something that we stay true to our words. And uh, this is something that we aim to solve as well. It's more about leaving an impact, creating a legacy that solves people's problem instead of just about revenue. I think that's, that's something that we are very, very, uh, I would say, adamant about. We're staying very true to as well. And of course, as the industry as a whole, I really hope that um, you know we can have much more I would say platform partners um, that we can work with, getting much more brands to explore the industry and knowing more, right? Don't be afraid to ask. If, if anyone has any questions, you can go, go to any other esports stakeholders in the industry. And if, if you can't find any, you can reach out to us as well. We can, we are, we'll be happy to you know, share more about the industry because as a, as a whole, I think education is very important industry-wide, right? Not just in esports, any other industry. Understanding the entire industry and not be afraid so that you can make more informed decision if you think that this is something that's right for you. Alright, so for listeners out there who would like to find out more about Emerge Group, where can they go to? Yeah, you can come to our website, you know, www.emerge-group.co co, or you can come to my LinkedIn, Roy Cake as well and I'll be happy to share more. Thank you so much, Anit. That was Roy Cat, CEO and co-founder of Emerge Group, joining us on GG Well Played this week. If you'd like to listen to this episode again, look for the podcast on bfm.my, our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also find this show on Spotify. Do share your thoughts and the games that you play via our email, ggwp at bfm.my. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Hanif Baharudin. Thanks for joining us. Game on and please take care. Selamat Hari Raya and maaf Zahir dan Batin. This has been GG Well Played. You have been listening to a podcast 
from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.